Hello, everyone. This is Mike, and you're listening to the J. Mike Fields Podcast. And today I have with me... Diane Bennett. Nice to be here with you, Mike. I'm so excited. Diane, it's good to see you. How's everything going for you? We're doing okay. It's been a good day. It's been a good week. So just uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of what you're going through in life and, and what you're doing now. Sure. Um, well, I'm at an exciting place in my life right now spent the last two years working really hard um, on myself, right, with your coaching and with your support. Um, I've learned a lot about myself, and I've learned a lot about um, the way that I want to show up in the world and the impact that I want to have, right, and that's led me to my most recent adventure, um, pivoting after 23 years in the corporate space, leading teams and um, deciding, making the decision to start my own consulting business. Um, my thought is that while I love coaching and developing um, strong teams, I can have a broader impact, right, um, through building stronger leaders in the small business world and the small business space, so that they can build strong teams. So it's all about impact and how we uh, how we get to make the world better. So it's exciting, bunch of new stuff. Can I ask what what kind of pushed you to do that and branch out on your own? Um. That's a great question. So I think from a very young age, I always knew that I um, I wanted to be active in the community, right? Um, I wanted to actually have my own community center. And I actually have notebooks, <laughs> notebooks of ideas of community events that I wanted to host and run. Um, and for the longest time, I couldn't really figure out how to build a community center and take care of my family at the same time. And so, um, I decided to fill that void, or I tried filling that void, um, working full-time in the corporate world, um, raising my kids, and then volunteering on the side, whether it was um, at my daughter's PTO, at a local shelter. And what I quickly found, realized was that um, I couldn't do it all, right? And I, I, I hit burnout um, pretty quickly. And um, a lot of the last two years has been learning about how to get myself out of that fight-or-flight stage, how to really reconnect in re-envision what my life could look like. And that's where I, I stepped back and asked myself, well, what do you really love about what you do now? And that's the, the people piece, that's the coaching, that's helping people to feel seen and heard and really taking time to understand who they are and what they're good at and how we can leverage that um, in a collective setting, right? To drive towards a larger, a larger goal. And so my thought was, if I could do more of that, how could I impact the community? Going back to my initial um, intentions, right, as a young adult, and that's where I decided. Well, why don't I combine right my ambition to help the community with what I love about leading teams? And figured consulting would be a great way to start doing that. So, so can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? So, so when you go in, you know, what's the process of that, and, and what are you looking for first? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the times, um, a lot of the times in the small business space, at least, um, small business owners don't have the luxury that a lot, a lot of large organizations do, and so they don't have access to a lot of the tools, right, that we do. And so, um, teams can be struggling, right, because they don't have good processes. Um, they may not have the right training or the right mechanisms in place for their folks to feel supported, right, and, and to be their best. And not every small business owner naturally knows how to lead teams, right? Um, from a small business perspective, they're usually very passionate about what they're doing, right? And that's what they love. Um, and as you start to find success and you start to grow and you have to scale, it can sometimes be challenging to find ways to protect that intimacy and that connectedness. And that's really where I would love to be able to come in and help organizations to come in, um, better understand what makes them unique, special, the impact that they want to have, how has their team been successful, and then where are they challenged right now, right? Where, where are their goals and where can they use some support so that I can figure out how to bring some of those tools that I've learned and used through my corporate experience to help them really grow and scale successfully. And what do you think the resistance to that is? Like even if there's large turnover and there's loss of profit and they're having to expend to train people, what do you think the resistance is for those owners? Um, 
I think through my own experiences, what I've observed is a lot of the times when we think of business, we think logically with our heads, right? And we don't necessarily, um, we don't necessarily remember that there's a people science to it all, right? And it almost feels like it's it's discretionary, right? The amount of time that we invest in building relationships, um, the amount of time that we invest in building rapport and culture and some of those things can feel discretionary because it's not necessarily um, a one-for-one impact, right, to the bottom line or to, to profits. But what I've realized over the years in leading many teams is that when you have a very strong um, connected team who's very clear on what your desired impact is and you work well together, you communicate well together, um, that the results that those teams deliver by far exceeds right a team that's not connected. Um, not only that, but it allows them to stand, withstand, better withstand, right? A lot of trials, right? I've had several teams that have had to go through difficult times, and the stronger and the more connected that we were, right? The more resilient we were in navigating that change. And and what does that connectedness look like? So what's what's it feel like for you? When do you know something's off, or, or that someone may need some attention? Because we know each other and work together, and you're highly intuitive, so I'm sure you use that. But but how do you take that and make it a process? You know, and not too business like, but kind of that balance of intuition, feeling, and then some logic in there to make sure that it's profitable for the owner. Yeah, great question. Um, I th- I think a lot of the times we complicate things in the business world, right? Relationships are relationships, right? And so I would ask, how would you know within your own household, right, um, if maybe something was bothering your child, right, or your spouse or your partner, right? It's it's when you spend time with people and you take time or you invest time to get to know them, you start to learn, right, their mannerisms. You start to learn what's normal for them. And it makes it easier, right, to detect when something's maybe off and maybe where you want to check in and have a conversation. There's a great, um, I remember a, a couple years ago, there was a great YouTube video that I saw with Simon Sinek. I love his work a lot. Um, and he talked, a, I think he was talking about um, the moment, like how do you know, how can you pinpoint the moment when, you're, when your wife decided that she loved loved you, right? And he was talking about, it's all the little things, right? It's all the good morning every morning. It's all the, you know, um, offering to get them a drink it's holding the door it's the collective interaction right that builds that builds the relationship um, and it's very similar in in the professional setting right um with my teams where i've found success is just building a relationship right checking in in the morning how is everyone doing um, if you notice somebody looking off in a meeting circling back with them afterwards to find out what's going on see if they need support um, how they're feeling in general when you connect with people, I think authentically, um, it allows you to build trust, and that goes both ways, right? I I've trusted my team very closely, right, which allowed me to be transparent as a leader, um, and when I can model that, right, that opens the way for them to be transparent and vulnerable with me as well. But that all starts with the relationship and trust. Sure, man, great response. Ah, so so when that's not happening, let's say almost the opposite of that, what does that look like? And what does that cause? Tension, right? Tension, um, dysfunction, chaos, right? Are, are some of the ways that that can manifest itself. Um, when a team is well connected and there's a lot to be done and there's stress, you will see them supporting one another. When a team is not well connected and there isn't those um, bonds of trust, when there's tension and things are difficult, people shut down and they recline versus coming together. That's probably the biggest distinction that I've seen. And do you see people usually end up looking for another position or they quit or do they kind of just stay to themselves? And I'm sure it depends on the personality, but. Yeah, definitely, it depends on the person. I think there's a um, there's a term, a, term, a term that you'll hear quite often now, it's called quiet quitting, right? It's it's exactly what I was talking about earlier when the person starts to recline. They start to feel stressed, right? There's tension in the workspace. And because there's no trust and there's not necessarily a strong relationship there, um, they don't say anything to anyone, right? And so they begin disengaging, right? That's when you start looking for other jobs, looking for other roles. Um, 
And that's that's the danger, right? And especially for a small business organization, when you've got you don't have the, the luxury of scale to rebound when someone leaves, right? And so, you know, one of five people, <laughs> you know, two of ten people, that's a considerable um, part of your team, right? And that has a meaningful impact on your ability to operate day to day. And so, it's so important that we're intentional, intentional about um, setting check-ins, right, and, and maintaining those relate, nurturing those relationships. So you can see those things coming so that you can address them right um, before it reaches that stage. So when a, when a leader or an owner starts to recognize that but doesn't necessarily understand why it's happening and you come in, um, how do you explain that? Like how do you get them to understand that connectedness is what's going to bridge that team together and what's going to drive profits and better relationships with the customers? Mm. Um. In coaching leaders or other leaders, where where I found um, it's helpful for them is to take them out of their business world. A lot of it's just like you in coaching, right? When you're coaching, when you've coached me, right? You can see the answers so clearly, right? But because I'm so connected or so close to the emotion, it's difficult for me to see the answer. It's very similar for leaders, right? If you they're in it every day, and so sometimes it can be challenging to see, um, and so. I like to take them out of that setting and draw their attention to an outside experience, right? Or an outside relationship. Um, how are they, how would they, or how would that help them, right? In a relationship with their spouse or with a partner, right? Or with a friend, right? And, and getting them to think of it outside of the, the tense setting um, allows them to a lot of the times self-discover the connection in um, why those relationship skills does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. And, and what if someone's extremely logical? Like, how do you how do you get them to see like the the, the fact is here, even though it's a feeling experience yeah. and a connectiveness? Like, so how do you tell someone that's naturally more logical? Um, I think the best way sometimes is to help them experience the feeling. Right. Um, we all like to feel good, right? Some of us may lead more with our heads than we do, right, with that feeling. Um, and so I think if you can create a scenario where you um, you help them to experience that connection, then I think that's powerful, right? Um, an exercise that I like to do with a lot of leaders, right, is, is just is to just find something positive that happens in your day-to-day -day with your team in compliment. Like every day, find one or two people, right, or one or two actions that you can recognize in a meaningful way. and. When you start to see how people light up and how the relationship starts to morph when people know that you're noticing the good that they do when you're acknowledging their impact, when you're appreciating their effort, um, the relationship will change. And when it changes, you feel different, right? Um, not only do you feel different, but your, your commitment to one another morphs as well. Um, there was a, I remember early in my leadership years, there was um, a leader that was mentoring me and I remember her telling me, and this has stayed with me for the past 20, 22 years, right, since we had that conversation. Um, she, she explained to me, you know, people will follow you. Do you want people to follow you be because they have to or because they want to, right? And very early I discovered that if someone can lead effectively without the title, right, leading through their relationships that they build, um, then they can successfully lead with the title. Right, versus having to rely on that title, that authority, for people to follow you. Um, and a lot of that is just, all, again, it's all about building the relationship. So almost instead of even explaining, like, this is how this works and this is how this works, it's like, let's go in and, and let me do a few things. And they start to feel it, and they don't even know that they're feeling better because of that, and the connectedness is happening with them. Yeah, yeah. I think the best way is to feel it, to do it, right? It's all about action. Definitely. Yeah, I think we talk about manifest manifestation and those things a lot, but it's always backed by action. We can change our thoughts and our feelings and how we feel. That will make us take different actions toward the progress of what we're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've taught you've you've uh, taught me that very well <laughs> over the years. I'm trying to teach myself. I think uh, being a mirror for me. <laughs> so. You talked about, was it silent leaving? 
Is that what you, the term oh, yeah, used? Yeah, the quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. So uh, that that's one type. So have you ever noticed that there's maybe a couple types of employees, like in, they act differently? Maybe like an archetype of, for example, like maybe someone's more aggressive, like when they're upset about that stuff or, or need more space and those kind of things. Like they'll talk, but things aren't getting done. If that makes sense. Like there's a yeah, disconnect. Absolutely. Um, I think when you're a leader, you have to, everything's not always what it appears to be, right? And so it can be easy sometimes to assume that someone's reaction is because maybe they, they don't want to be supportive or they just don't want to do um, you know, what's being asked of them, right? Or they're not engaged. But a lot of the times I've found that there's usually other things underneath it. Um, and that's where you have to dig a little bit deeper, right? Usually where I'd like to start is just distinguishing whether or not um, it's a knowledge, like does this person have the knowledge that they need right, to execute what we're asking of them? Ooh. Uh, not to interrupt you, but that, yeah. that's a great point. So uh, how do you tell if, if they're not? So you, you may like be looking at your qualities and maybe placing that on them. I'm sure yeah. you don't do that, but I do that a lot. So, so how do you tell, like, maybe they just don't have the ability to do this? Yeah. Conversation, right? I think conversations are a great place to start. Um, data can sometimes be helpful, right? Um, it's not all touchy-feely, right? Data helps us to tell stories sometimes, right? Data, I think, can be instrumental in figuring out where you need to peel back layers and where to have more dialogue, right? And so a great example may be that um, you know, there's times where someone may not be hitting um, a certain quota. And um, by looking at the data, I can see it's not because they're not comfortable asking for a sale. They're not comfortable making the effort, right? It's maybe that they're they're talking too long, right? And so they're not talking to enough people, right? And so that allows me to then go back and have a conversation around, well, I noticed you talk longer than everybody else is, you know, help me understand that, right? And you may come to find out that maybe they're they're struggling with where to find answers or where to find information or how to navigate a system, right? And that's very different, right? It's not them not wanting to do a good job. That's them now just needing some coaching and some support, right? From, from me as their leader to help them learn navigation skills or help them um, better understand where to find the resources and answers that they need. And so, you're, you're great at cueing in on that. So it's almost like you use that intuition, that sense to trust yourself that there needs to be a conversation. Absolutely. And then it goes back to that relationship again, right? If there's no relationship, those conversations feel very awkward. Right. And, and if there's no relationship, even if I initiate the conversation, how likely is that individual or that employee to be vulnerable and open with me? Right. Um, and so that trust and that relationship, again, comes into the picture. The more comfortable they that we feel with each other, the more likely I am to engage in conversation, to feel comfortable asking real questions, maybe even hard questions. And the more comfortable they'll feel, right, to to be honest and open with me, so that because they know that I'm asking from a place of genuinely wanting to support them. And you're so great at walking lightly, but carrying a big presence. Like you can make people feel connected and that they're that they're heard, and you can compliment them. But at the same time, you can be assertive. Say like, this is what's got to go down. Uh, how do you teach a leader or an owner to maybe adapt to that style? That's a great question. That's taken a lot of years to practice, if I'm honest. Um, I think part of it is starting is learning to understand yourself as well. Um, if I'm honest, in the past two years, right, um, doing the work just to work on myself, I learned a lot about myself, even, right. And I would say that very, you know, in my early years of leadership. That nurturing and compassionate side was always kind of the strength for me. Um, but that authority side, right, was was always uncomfortable, right? And in doing the work to learn more about myself, to under uncover my own fears, um, my own beliefs about myself, right? Um, it allowed me to understand why I was avoidant of some of those conversations, right? And and give me the tools to feel more comfortable leaning in and finding a reasonable and compassionate way to have those conversations. Yeah. It helps. So I was, I always say, um, there was a post I posted on my page the other day. 
um, you know, to grow as a leader, you have to grow as a person. And I genuinely believe that, right? When you learn more about yourself and you start to understand why you react the way that you do, how the things that we've experienced shape us in the way that we view things and the way that we're triggered or react to things, it opens your perspective to really be, I think, empathetic um, and much more patient, I think, with the people that we work with, right? And, and it gives you some, some real perspective and insight to navigate those conversations with them in a more effective way, right? Because um, you know that everything's not what it seems at the surface, right? And so when you can enter the conversation that way, right, you're not necessarily coming at them so, so, um, so strictly, so aggressively, right? Um, it's much more in a compassionate place to, hey, let's, it's almost like you got to envision yourself wrapping your arms around them and saying, hey, right, I've noticed this, right? Can we sit down and, and unpack it together, right? Like what's going on? And so, so how, what would you say maybe the first step or, or a process or, or how did you notice that you needed to integrate that part of you? Like you needed almost that, uh, that masculine energy of assertiveness? Yeah. Um, so for me, I think I, I always have to think about the impact to others. And I remember clearly, it was probably a few years ago. Um, and while the team was very, the team that I was leading at the time was very strong, um, there were some th things that needed to be addressed, right, performance-wise, right, conversations that, difficult conversations um, that would probably have been easier to avoid. Um, but I think having done the work, I realized that in not having those conversations, I was hurting the larger team, right? That there, were other, there was an impact, right? Like you can't ignore the difficult things because there's consequences to that, right? And so having done the work, right? And knowing that I, need, I needed to lean in and I needed to be comfortable leaning in. Otherwise, I was hurting my team, right? Not by not being brave. Um, but then at the same token, right, drawing on some of those other tools and experiences to say, how can I have that difficult conversation in a way that opens dialogue, in a way that um, clearly relays the intent, right, as not being something um, malicious or something difficult or something, you know, because you don't want walls to go up, right? I think that's the most important thing when you're um, having difficult conversations you have to remember your intent for the conversation, right? Is you want, ultimately, you want good behavior. You want collaborative behavior. But that's what that looked like, yeah. Exactly. And so if you come in at, come in really hard, right, the only thing that's going to happen, right, is, you know, the, the walls are going to go up, right? I like to visualize almost like a boxer in my head, right? If I come in swinging, right, their arms, you know, the walls go up and I can't reach them, right? And if I can't reach them, then we can't, we can't close the gap or get to the destination that we're trying to get to. And so... Um, how can I come in with facts, right, so that there's no um, disputing, right, or there's no, um, you know, dancing around what needs to be addressed, but how do I do it in a way that's um, inviting, right, and clearly sets the intention that, hey, it's, this is about how we get better, how do we serve our teammates better, how do we deliver the outcome that we need to, how do we hold ourselves accountable, right, and how can I help you in that journey, right, that starts with me understanding what's you know, what you're struggling with or what's underneath it all. That makes sense. And, and how did, so we talked about like, and I, the question was integrating those aspects back in. So what does that look like in your life? So was it when you noticed things that made you uncomfortable, did you go towards them? Did you do bigger things? Was there like small steps? Yeah. Um, so the first thing is in the back of my head, I could hear uh, J. Mike Fields telling me, follow your fears, die, follow your fears. So I what, what does that mean to you? That, so that term's confusing for a lot of people. So what does it mean to you? Yeah, um, for me, it means that that thing that I'm avoiding, right? There's a win for me at the other end. I'm not saying that when you fear, I mean, there's certain fear that's healthy, right? Like if I'm standing at the edge of a cliff, right? It's natural for me to feel fearful, right? I'm not saying that survival, I need to Like a survival change. response, like an animal response, yeah. Exactly, right? It's, it's feeling the fear and then stepping back and asking, I think, myself, all right, are you really in danger, Di, or are you just feeling uncomfortable about something? And um, 
being honest with myself enough to acknowledge when I am uncomfortable with something and being open to, I think, exploring why am I uncomfortable um, and overcoming it, right? What I've learned over the years with lots of practice and I'm still learning, right, is that um, when you lean in and do those uncomfortable things, you start to trust yourself more. You start to build confidence more um, in your capacity to grow and to do more shifts as well right you're not you're not you're not you're not paralyzed i think or limited by fear as much what do you what do you think got you to accept that so i see a lot of times that acceptance is the most difficult part and that, and that sounds super easy and like yeah that's what everyone says but how did you accept like almost a flaw like or something that you hadn't integrated so you have to accept the feeling right yeah. and we usually try to resist that and distract ourselves so what was kind of your process? What brought awareness to that? And then where'd you go from there? Um, that's a great question. Um, a lot of self-reflection. I think you have to be willing to be honest with yourself and open with yourself. And you have to want change, right? So for me, I had reached a point where I knew that where I was couldn't be my forever, right? I, I needed to evolve in order to in order for my life to grow the way that I wanted grow and so in order for me to evolve I had to be very honest with myself and um, I had to be willing right to 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 look at myself critically right but with compassion right um, and how so that you, openness not to interrupt but how did you do that versing uh, maybe shaming yourself yeah um there was a lot of shaming in the beginning right I think a lot of feeling bad um, but you did a really great job um, of of helping me take baby steps, right? I think a lot of the times you want not biting off more than you can chew, right? Um, not having these big lofty goals and then when you don't accomplish them, you feel really bad, right? And so starting with small wins, right? Doing small things, right? I think you and I started with water, right? Just taking better care of myself and water and can I make sure that I get enough water in my day? Not even the 64, right? Because I wasn't ready to swim yet, right? I needed a... Uh, you know, I think we started in the middle, like, could we get 48 ounces of water in, right? And little things like that. But with the small wins, um, what I realized, right, um, was that you were right, right? With each small win, you start to trust yourself and your ability to do those hard things, right, or to lean in. Um, so that's critical, right? I, when I reflect back on my own limitations over the years, a lot of it, I think, stemmed from self-trust, um, and so these small wins in, in doing hard things has really been, I think, transformative for me as far as being willing to to grow and step forward and to take chances, right, as, as that trust and confidence grows. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and when you started to do that, did you, were, were you feeling it as you went or did you kind of suddenly realize, like, I trust myself, like, I'm going to do this? Um, that's a great question. Because you're in it so every day in, day out. Um, there were times, I think, where I felt really proud of myself. I'm like, yeah, you did like a hard conversation. And you're like, I did it, right? Um, and then there were other times, right, where I, I think you don't think about it so much. And then you, you just one day you get to a place where you look back and you're like, wow, like, is that really me? Like, did I really do those things? And um, I love that you encouraged me to journal journaling I think was a, a very important part of my journey um, and it allowed me to step back and reflect really how far things have come because I think when it's just like when you see your kids or your family every day you don't notice the change notice. so much yeah. exactly but the journal I it was a couple I think maybe a couple months ago I sat down and um, I just decided to go through one of my old journals and went back to some of those early pages and um, it was really it was really amazing to see what I was feeling, what I was thinking, um, and just how far and how that's evolved over the years. So. See, and I get the joy and the pleasure of not seeing you very often. So I see this stage and I get excited. Like that's what fulfills me. Not that I'm fixing you or trying to do anything like that, but yeah. you're, you're willing and ask for help. So what would you say versus trying to make someone do better versus them willingly ask? 
That's great. I think I've been, so as a leader, I've been um, in the position, I think, where I've had both types, right? And it's very different. <laughs> it's a very different experience. Um, what I've learned, I think, is that it's very difficult and very challenging to help someone who doesn't want to grow, right? Um, and that's, I think it's draining, right, when you're trying to push something that someone's not necessarily ready for yet versus on the other side when you have someone who's ready and wanting and eager to grow. Um, there's a contagious energy, I think, that you can, that gets built, right, that I think propels, right, the learning and the growth. Um, I know I feel that often right after our calls. I think I tell you all the time, like, yes, I love, you know, I think Wednesdays are typically when we meet. I love Wednesdays. <laughs> I always feel so good coming out of the conversation. Um, what I would say about those that aren't open to growing yet, though, um, I wouldn't necessarily say to, to walk away or give, as a leader, to walk away or give up on that person. I am a firm believer that there is hope for all of us to be our best self. I think the approach just becomes a little bit different, right? It's recognizing that that person's not there yet or ready to, and rather than pushing, right, um, again, maybe wrapping your arm around that person in having more and building a dialogue right to under to try to uncover maybe why why they're so resistant right to learning right? i think you might find some things right whether you know experiences that maybe um you know that maybe they didn't have good experiences about trying to grow or be brave in the past about taking you know seeking opportunities right or maybe they have issues right with self-worth right or they don't trust them. there could be a whole host of things but you don't know unless you start having that dialogue or building the relationship. Um, and again, that's that relationship piece because that's a very vulnerable dialogue to ask someone to have with you. And so you have to earn that trust, I think. Would you say um, the more that you learn to accept different parts of you, the easier it was to accept when someone wasn't ready and not to push yourself on them? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I actually saw that more so in my personal circles, right? Um, I was struggling with a lot of, um, I think, tension in certain personal relationships. And by me learning about myself, learning to integrate some of those things, um, it allowed me to show up in a, in a very different place and be, I think, much more understanding in my interaction with those. I think the biggest thing was that um, because I was more grounded, it allowed me to recognize that others' behaviors were were really them struggling with something versus some versus having something to do with how they felt about me or you know our interaction. It was more about giving them space or recognizing, hey, they're working through something and they're not quite there yet, right? And, and being respectful of that and giving them the space to do that, and at the same token, knowing that it has nothing to do necessarily with me. What a, what a great example of learning to let people regulate themselves and be responsible for themselves. Not that we don't help people and do that, but I think we, it's really a disservice when we try to almost over caretake or over help or try to change them in any aspect. What would you say, how did that benefit you? What was the difference between trying to make someone change, you know, an employee or, or whatever versus yeah. I accept that. And how did you feel? What's the difference in you? Um, so as a, as a person in my personal relationships and as a leader, um, there was much less stress involved, right? I think anytime you're pushing something that doesn't want to happen, that creates friction, right? It creates tension and that's heavy, right? For them, for me, for everyone. Um, and so it allowed me, I think, to, to protect peace, right? Or, or to, to better protect you know, peace in my own space, um, the other thing that I noticed is that it, it changed the way that they interact as well, right? Um, in giving people that space and so not always pushing, um, I noticed that there was more growth. I saw more growth that way than, say, the old pattern of maybe like, hey, trying to force my way on something. Um, the other thing that was really great, the other byproduct that I think was really great for me, and I'll share this because I know that a lot of leaders struggle, struggle with this. I know I struggled with this. I think for plenty of performance reviews, I used to say die, delegate more, right? But delegating is really about um, letting go of control, <laughs> right? And and um, 
that has gotten significantly easier for me as I've learned to let go of control, right? Because not everything necessarily is reflective of me. And why do you think you're able to do that? I think because I've better, um, I'm now better able to understand that, um, not tie myself to the outcome necessarily, right? Um, I don't have to control the outcome in order to to validate, right? my effectiveness or my worth or whatever. And what it does or what it allows is gives other people the space to learn, right? Um, it frees them from whatever my, you know, my um, expectations might have been as well, right? If I think back to when I was learning to do things for the first, any of us when we're learning to do something for the first time, you need that creative space to, to play with ideas, to explore concepts, to make mistakes. Um, and so in, in being able to let go of that control and give them that space, um, I notice that they grow. They grow fast. They, that enables their growth as well, right? which is what you want as a leader, right, is to, to have a strong, um, dynamic team that can feel capable walking into any scenario because they know that they have the tools or that they're capable of navigating a situation. And so um, that's been a huge win. Yeah, and when you when you trust yourself, uh, how do you feel about control? It's um, it's definitely freeing. <laughs> you don't worry about it so much anymore. Would you say you're more focused on on what you can do versus like focused on everyone else? And and does that make you feel more embodied? Do you feel more grounded when you do that? Absolutely. I think whenever we um, we're running in a in a state of fear all the time. You're never really thinking clearly, right? You're chasing kind of one fire, one worry <laughs> um, to the next. Um, whereas when you can kind of let go of that control, um, to your point, I think you're just much more, you're able to focus more on what's within your control and, and just let go of the rest. Right? Um, I remember very vividly, I remember, um, it makes me think of a scenario a couple of years ago, I was leading a team that, um, was very fearful that um, that the team would be eliminated, right? Like their function or their role, right, might you know might be eliminated. And I remember um, pulling everyone together and us having a conversation around: Is it scary to think that that's going to happen? Absolutely, it is, right? We're all scared of that. But being spending our day in fear of that happening doesn't accomplish anything, right? It made us sick and it kept us from actually adding value, right? And so instead, right, um, we had a conversation about what is within our control, right? And and that was how do we show up and how do we add value to the organization? And that's where we focused, right? That's where we focused and um, the team had very, you know, very successful results. It was an amazing team. They were um, very open to learning and I think we had a lot of trust within within the relationship. So um, it was, it was, it made it easy to lean on each other and, and navigate in that setting. I think a lot of the times we want to conquer the world in a day and you notice that that becomes a, uh, infinite spiral downward. So how did you notice that? And we talked about the small steps to change it, but does that stuff still come up for you? Like, um, more expectations of yourself versus I have these standards and I know a little bit at a time is what makes big things. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I would say that I don't think it goes away or it hasn't gone away. I think what's different is that I identify it when my when I slip into that mode now, right? I can see it happening more. And when I see it happening more, I know that I can't do it all, right? And so, um, you know, I'm now able to better step back and say, okay, what's, what's the, you know, the few, the small few that I need to focus on, right, today in this moment, right? And then I'll worry about you know, what comes after that. So you had a roller coaster of experiences. So some, some tragic, some wonderful. Um, how would you say that you navigated through some of those tough things? And, and how did you change your perspective on those? And when did you know you were ready? A lot of questions, but. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a tough question. That's a deep question. You're going deep now, Mike. <laughs> um, Faith has always been a very important part of my life, um, you know. And, I, and I've my connection, right, 
so I, I am a Muslim, right? And so my connection with Allah, I think, has, you know, gone in different ways, right, or what have you. But it's always been there. And I think, I think that any time I have a challenge in my life, um, it brings me closer, right, to Allah. And from an Islamic perspective, that's actually one of the things that we talk about, right? Like challenges, they're not necessarily a bad thing, right? That's sometimes just God's way of bringing us closer, right? Because maybe we're falling off the wrong path, right? Or maybe we need to be, you know, we need to reconnect in some way, shape, or form. Um, and when I open myself to experiencing whatever that was, right, as a learning opportunity, I think I've always learned something um, that allowed me to be better. And that, I can say that consistently, I think, with every experience that I've been, any challenge, right? Um, it was, well, what is the lesson supposed to be here? What am I supposed to take from this? How am I supposed to grow from this? Or, you know, what am I going to do with this, right? Why, why, how was this meant to shape me? And I think when you can look at it from that perspective, um, it's not happening necessarily to you as much as it is happening for you. And, and that makes all the difference challenges you know when those tough things happen and when do you, did you know you're ready to make a shift like you were willing to change your perspective and stamp that and catalog it back yeah um so i think i throughout my years with every experience or every challenge every up and down um i think i was always open to learning i think when i think about the last maybe two three years in particular what was really different for me was that um, I felt stuck in my learning or stuck in my capacity to learn, right? Like I, I felt like I had, I had already looked at this, like, whoa, what's different or why does why is this coming up? Um, and I recognized that whatever vision or understanding that I had was limited and I needed, I needed someone with bigger perspective than mine, right, to help me broaden my perspective so that I could better understand the context that I needed to make sense of what was happening and how I was going to navigate it. Right? And um, fortunately for me, right, you were very willing you know, to step into that capacity and help me through that journey. And it's been, um, it's been amazing. It's been life-changing. And I will be forever grateful. So when you were experiencing those things and maybe, you know, felt sadness or whatever you're going through. What's the difference between being upset and f feeling those things versus consciously feeling what's happening and being a witness and being there with your body and letting yourself express that? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. And I don't know that that's very easy to distinguish. I think, um, it's difficult to explain too. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, I think if you'd asked me that question, probably even a couple months ago, <laughs> right? Um, it's difficult if you're, if you're in. I think if you're in, as many of us are in fight or flight mode, because you're in heightened like sensitivity all the time, it's very difficult to distinguish those feelings. I think the more you practice being self-aware, the more you practice breathing. Um, something about it creates a even though you're still hurting or you're still feeling whatever you're feeling, you're feeling it almost from a third-party perspective, if that makes any sense, right? So you're not caught up in the whirlwind so much. It's still there, right? And you can still feel it, but you're almost able to more objectively identify it and observe it and, and respect it, I guess. <laughs> um, I guess that's the best way I can explain it. I don't know. Would you... What is, what's your experience, but how do you notice the difference for yourself? So I, I, I talk about this. So here's an example. So a lot of times when someone drinks alcohol, mm -hmm. like you notice they, if they're going through something difficult, they may experience a lot of sadness and crying and those type of things. Yeah. But you may notice they end up waking up feeling worse and almost like the feelings even stronger. So, and you know, I'm not saying anything bad against alcohol. It's just saying that, when we take something to kind of like numb ourselves and then experience it, we didn't witness it. We weren't there for it. It's the same. I like to say the body is our inner child, like uh, in a met metaphysical sense. So it's almost like saying, Hey, like 
Um, I don't notice you. Like, you're not worth anything. So, And what does that do? Amplifies the body's need even more. So that's how I kind of look at it. So even when I'm feeling something, uh, first I have to be honest with myself, which takes courage um, and is difficult sometimes. But by accepting ourselves and doing that, we're able to process and look at that emotion and give grace. Like, I uh, almost view it as like, that's a kid that doesn't understand. I mean, zero to seven, we're just taking in information, gobbling it up, and we develop patterns that way. But when we're conscious enough to experience those and go through them and be the witness of that and notice that we can change, that's the difference for me. No, that's beautiful. It's a great analogy. Um, and you've used that analogy with me in the past too, even like that, um, just that inner child or whatever, that younger child, the younger version of ourself. Um, and that I think has been powerful for me powerful for me in the sense that it's allowed me to be much more compassionate with myself, right? Because you know, I almost envision, right, a younger version of me and how would I interact or how would I, you know, how would I advise or counsel or, or show up for, you know, for that younger person. Um, and so that's, that's been, um, I think, a very visual um, tool that's been helpful in, in allowing me to be more compassionate. And I think that's something that we all struggle with, right, is being compassionate with ourselves. Absolutely. And I think sometimes uh, we display it differently. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's uh, maybe we overhelp um, or maybe we're over aggressive or controlling, you know, and we don't like helping people. Both sides are looking for connection and attachment. And usually we're disconnected from ourselves when we feel like that. And, I, you know, I have to be conscious and, and do that myself. I've made many mistakes. I, I've done things that are that are awful. I've done things that are good. And I think learning to come back and be accepting of yourself, like, you got to live with yourself the rest of your life, you know, and hopefully you'll have your family around those type of things, but you have to live your experience. And I want that to be a better place. So for me, uh, that's the big focus and also not getting attached to a story in my head. It's really focusing on where I feel that in my body and starting to notice it because if I start attaching a story or because this or this happened to me or, or this was out of my control. Like, how do I, how do I rewrite this? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to sit here and experience the emotion, the feeling. It's kind of like when you're uh, with a kid or, you know, or, or with your kids. Um, w- what happens if you're trying to logically tell them, like, hey, this is why you're feeling like this, and, and this is the experience <laughs> that's happening? No. Good what, luck. <laughs> what makes them feel that they're safe? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what would you say makes them feel safe? Yeah, I think um, knowing that they're just loved, right, when you're unconditional love right? A willingness to just sit there and be with them, right? Um, all those things, I think, create safety. Those are just acceptance, really, of it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Anything you're excited about? Um, anything you're looking forward to? Any good jokes? <laughs> I don't have any good dad jokes. Um, I have to, uh, you'll, I don't know. You Well, you like corny jokes, too, so you might like it. I found this cutest little thing in the store. It was a little... Um, corn of like a box shaped like a ear of corn and in it has these little like note cards with corny jokes <laughs> and um my poor team I, every day i would pull out a couple cards <laughs> and subject them to my corny jokes but anyway i need a new supply of corny jokes uh, but you gotta laugh right i think um i think laughter is a very important part of our day and navigating any day's journey so no, I think so too. And I think sometimes um, people don't understand corny jokes and those kind of things that are happening. You know, I, I'd say I didn't either, but, but my mentor, the person that helped me connect with myself, you know, and discover who I was, um, would always say corny jokes. And I'm like, you know, they're funny, but you know, what's going on? And it took me a little bit, but I realized the simplicity of not taking yourself so seriously <laughs> and, and laughing, you know, even though it may not be that funny. Um, and I think that's, uh, what the purpose was to realize that we're going to make mistakes. A lot of things are out of our control, but how do we view that? What's our perspective and what are we going to learn from it? Absolutely. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You do a great job. I think of, uh, reinforcing that for me in our conversations all the time. So I appreciate it. Hey, I'm always willing to tell a joke, but thank you. <laughs> thank you so much you know, for coming on and speaking. And, um, is, is there anything that you'd like to, to give to people listening or, or how, how do we find you? 
all that good sure. stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. So I'm growing, right? I'm, I'm growing. I'm still building my business. But for now, everyone can look for me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, simply look up Full Hearts Leadership and Consulting um, or Diane Bennett, either way, right? Um, I actually have a, a free six-week challenge going on right now, really just helping people to find empowerment, right? Um, I know there's a lot of great a lot of great programs, and I want, I'll be rolling out four leaders and different tools, but I wanted to really start with the basics of learning how to empower ourselves, um, getting grounded. How do we get grounded? How do we recognize and give ourselves tools to navigate um, complexity so that you have a strong foundation, um, you're better able to build from there. So if anyone wants to learn more about it, feel free to go check out the page or just reach out to me. I'm happy to always talk with anyone. I love talking to people, as Mike will tell you. Um, and Mike, I have to thank you so much for um, for inviting me. It has been a, a beautiful journey into it started, right, with you being willing to take me in and teach me what you know and give me tools and help me to learn more about myself and to be able to sit here and share with others and to share my first podcast with you is really quite a, um, just quite a milestone. It's, it's a special experience and I want to thank you so much. And I want to thank you for your, your willingness to grow and coming in and being open. Um, and also what a privilege it is to walk with somebody, you know, to be in their experience. And, you know, I don't, have to go through all the mud and y'all, I may be wearing waders and you're not, but, <laughs> but to be there with you, um, that's what fulfills me. And, and I really appreciate you, um, trusting me and reaching out and sticking with it. So it's been awesome. And I look forward to the success you're going to have and already do have, um, and the growth that you have personally in the future. Thank you, Mike. I'm telling you people, if you need a coach or you're looking for a great coach, Mike is your man. <laughs> I'm telling you He's now. He's a weirdo. Don't listen to him. <laughs> you have to like corny jokes, though, so I'm all only right. playing. It's all good. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm going to link all her information in the description, and you can check her out there. Until next time, see you soon. Bye.